This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Welcome to another episode of the EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, we're discussing how to keep students engaged during remote learning. And here to discuss strategies for boosting student engagement are Angelica Casillas-Wortham and Tina Cole with iStation. Angelica and Tina, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here, Shelby. Yes, excited to be here. So with decades of classroom experience between the both of you, you know how challenging it can be to keep young students engaged in the classroom. And now imagine taking the kids out of the classroom, putting them in front of a screen at home with, you know, any number of distractions in the background and and add, of course, the complexity of a, a, a pandemic, social isolation, mental fatigue. I mean, it's no wonder that student engagement begins to wane. So, Angelica, can you speak to the challenges that classroom teachers face with student engagement? Yes, thanks, Shelby. They, they do face some challenges at this time because like you said, children are getting tired of sitting in front of the computer. It's not normally what they do. They don't sit all day long in one classroom for hours at a time. They get to get up and transition and move around. It's what it's what kids normally do. And so teachers have expressed, you know, I can't get the kids online, I can't get kids to show cameras. I can't get kids to turn in assignments. You know, what do we do during this time to get them to do that? And then what Tina and I have discussed in, in other conversations with educators is, are you talking to your students? Are you asking them how they are doing? Are you asking them, when is it important for you to be able to take a break? and when we're with the iStation and we're we're talking to some of our teachers, we like to, to ask them to give their students the information about pausing their assessments, pausing their online instruction, and standing up for a minute just to shake it out. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to remind everyone to stand up and move. That will get the blood flowing and hopefully get them back engaged into learning once they've had a stretch out break. Yeah, that's it. That's something that um, I know as as people are listening, I mean, you know, teachers listening, but also parents. I mean, I think of uh, my own example. I've got a, a 12-year-old uh, doing remote learning in the other room. And, you know, selfishly, I, I will get after him when he, you know, because they'll be able to have, uh, if they finish their classwork early, they can, you know, dismiss for a few minutes early and he'll run in here and, and play with the dog and you know, be a tornado and then yeah. run back and, you know, into the dining room where, you know, his, his classroom is set up. And you're right, you know, I'll, I'll be like, nope, get back to work, you know, get back focused. But that's actually what they need to be doing. That's, that's a great point, Angelica. Thanks. Absolutely. And, you know, even as I've had my granddaughters here doing their virtual learning periodically, 
uh, whenever it's time for them to engage with their uh, with their PE class and they uh, they do little videos, I find myself just drawn to go over there and do the activity yeah. with them. And it's good for me to yeah. get away from my desk and they enjoy it. And so it's, it's just, it's important for them to be able to get up and move. And we, we probably need to encourage more of that, even in the middle of the lesson to stand up, to do this one part. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, Tina, you're right that there's, there's, there's some benefit there uh, to be able to, to have the, the parent or the grandparent um, engaged with the student because I think that kind of helps the student's well-being. So in terms of that, of, in terms of those challenges that teachers are facing with engagement, what would you add in with special regard to students' well-being for, you know, for this time when we're doing remote learning? I think just the check-in, you know, how are you? Yes. How are you doing? And it goes the same way for the teacher. Someone needs to be asking our teachers, how are you doing? In the background, we need to be saying, hey, families, how are you guys doing? Everything okay? Just a, a wellness check for everyone to see what is happening, how are they feeling, um, letting everyone know that they're doing a great job. I think it's really important that everybody hears that we're all in this together. Yes, and, and, and Angelica, I would love for you to share the story that you have about the student where the student's voice was heard when it could have been considered a negative response. Uh, she turned it into such a positive response. Why don't you share that with us? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Tina. It was, it was really a sweet opportunity for me because I was having a conversation with a teacher who was saying, please help me. I can't get my kids motivated. I don't know what to do. They're, they're tired of the computer. I mean, when did we ever think we were going to hear that? I right? know. And they don't want to be on their iPads. It's like, what? Really? <laughs> okay. So she's like, can you talk to my class? And I went, yes, absolutely. I jumped on the opportunity to be able to talk to some kiddos. And so the day came. And I asked the kids, you know, we were all on a Zoom call. I asked them all how they were doing. And they said that they were doing okay. And I'm all, how's your day going around? What do, what's new? And they kind of just chit-chatted for a minute. And then I, I just simply asked, how are you doing? And how are you doing with your ice station? Let's talk about what's going on there. And one little boy raised his hand and asked permission, you know, to talk. And the teacher said, yeah, go ahead. And so I asked him, well, how are you? What do you think of the program? And he's all, I'm frustrated. Hmm. He goes, I, I know a lot of this stuff already. And it's making me do this over and over. And I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And I said, well, I, I hear you. I can see that you are doing a lot of great work. You are online quite a bit. You know, thank you for, for getting in and trying to do your work. If it's okay with you, can I look to see how you are answering some of the questions that we are presenting to you? And he's all, you can see my responses? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I can see practically every child in the United States answers, but is it okay if I look at yours? And he was thrilled to be asked that I asked permission to look at his stuff. So I, I went in and I started looking and I said, okay, I see what you're doing and I understand why you are getting a little frustrated and it's because 
this is how our program works. And I explained how it worked to, for him, how being connected and staying in the program will allow him to get through the lessons instead of him jumping in and out and in and out. And I said, it's making you repeat things. The system is thinking you don't know this. So it's double checking with you. And so he's all, oh, I, I didn't know that that's what was happening. And, and that's what's going on a lot of times, I think, with kids is they, they don't understand why they're being asked to do what they're doing right. on a computer. And having a little bit of time to have something explained to them helps motivate them. So I had them all stand up and stretch and shake on their smarticle particles and, <laughs> and get those jiggles and those wiggles out, you know, because kids need to do that. They need to move around. And I think they appreciated knowing that, first of all, teachers can see how they're responding, that this is how the system is going to work based on how they respond and what the outcomes will be when they do their job, so to speak. I, I love that anecdote because uh, one, it reminds us that you know children can be critical thinkers and we encourage this critical thinking. And so when when it happens, uh, you know, we need to recognize that, you know, yeah, he wants to know the the why behind it. He wants to understand maybe the the workings and the process. Um, so he knows why he's doing it and why something works like it does. I think that's a, a great reminder uh, for all mm -hmm. of us and and kind of you know giving giving teachers that permission to maybe peel back the curtain a bit and reveal. Yeah the 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 rhyme and reason behind it exactly kids need to understand that they are in partnership with the learning that is taking place you know it's not going to be all on them the teachers aren't totally responsible for everything you know everyone's in this as a partnership exactly exactly tina when when we start to talk about social emotional learning you know, in, in recent years, there's been a renewed focus on this. So would you explain what social-emotional learning is and how it can be integrated into remote instruction? So when we think about social-emotional learning, sometimes we can get, sometimes we want to push against that because we're thinking, okay, I'm not sure that I understand it, but truly understanding what that means is allowing students to realize that emotions are important and it's part of their learning because if you're feeling frustrated, you need to get underneath that. And just like this one student who was pushing back against the learning that was needing to take place for him, he was allowed to share what was going on inside his head and his frustration as he was logging in and out of the program. That came from an, an him not understanding how to utilize what he had. It's just like if we're frustrated with a computer program that we're trying to learn, which many of us are learning many new platforms, and we stay frustrated as educators and as, as people in our field where we're trying to engage with something that we don't understand, and it inhibits our learning if we can't get past that. And so him being allowed to voice his frustration and voice something that might have seemed negative was seen as a way for him to find an avenue into in engaging with the program and to expand his learning. And I think that 
we as educators need to understand that not only do we need to make sure that we're giving them the content that they need to have, but they also need to have an understanding as to why it's important. And they also need to be able to feel free to, to express whenever they aren't really sure how to how to do what's being asked of them and not be afraid to do that. It's easy to see when you're in those face-to-face -face situations and you are seeing their little eyeballs and you can see, are they getting it? Yeah. Uh, but if you're not able to see that, that's a frustration for educators. And I hear that so many times they're tired of having to look at these tiny little screens to know what's going on with the student. And so having those check-ins with them and letting them each have a time to, to talk allows them to begin to, to voice that more and to, to self-advocate. Well, that's a great point, self-advocate, because I think if if maybe you were already, if you're a student and maybe you're already a little bit timid about uh, speaking up in class if you don't understand something or if you need help with something, there's just another layer apart then uh, behind the screen. Some some might find uh, being able to, you know, just uh, instant message the teacher with a with question privately, uh, maybe that's a, a better avenue for them. But, you know, in either case, you know, being able to ask for the help they need, uh, I guess we can't assume that all students are comfortable with that. And that's where those student check-ins come in, right? Yes, that, that I is agree. for sure, you know, because our goal is for students to know what is taking place so that they can become what we like to say, those active agents in their own growth. Mm. And we know, because research tells us that if kids are actively uh, part of this whole process, that we get more student growth. I think it's Marzano that says we get a 32% point gain. I mean, that is phenomenal. And so if we keep that in mind and start having these conversations and check-ins with our students, we can go for that growth, which is one of our biggest goals, especially right now during this time when we know that we're having a little slippage happening. So in March 2020, you know, classrooms, they went on spring break, and then it just, it seems like they never came back until the next school year. Uh, almost overnight, education technology really became the centerpiece of remote instruction. So, Angelica, apart from, you know, remote connectivity uh, and the, the platforms that have made remote learning possible, uh, what are some of the ed tech tools that are helping make teachers' lives easier? And how are they uh, adjusting to this new world of teaching? Yeah, they had to make a huge jump, didn't they? I mean, overnight, you had to know more about technology than you ever had to in your life. We exactly. had to start scrambling. How do I set up a Google Meet? How do I set up a Zoom? How do I take the, this flat format of a PDF that I used to deliver and make that digital? You know, what is a Jamboard? What is a Google Sheet? What is a Nearpod? All of these instruments, we had to learn them pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, even Tina and I, right, Tina, we had to start learning all these different platforms to start the communication that we have with our, with our clients. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and I had a little bit of a a little bit of a head start because I was already in the virtual world. I I delivered my the the majority of my of my PD was delivered virtually. So I but however, we did have different districts who came in and said, we want you to use this platform because that's what we're using. So we have had to learn how to utilize those different platforms as well. So, you know, not not near the 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 learning curve that many educators and then our on-site PD had to to embrace. We were kind of already there, so we were kind of helping them scaffold into that. One of the things though I think that we have with our with the technology is we have to know what we have at our hands and and Angelica mentioned this, you know, learning those different pieces and learning how to utilize Jamboard and Nearpod and in finding those those pieces in those programs that will allow us to deliver the information that we used to deliver face to face. Right. And thank goodness that, you know, we had half of our team who was virtual and could quickly catch those of us who would who were traveling everywhere. I mean, I had to take my computer with with me and my biggest issue was just troubleshooting a connectivity, you know, mm-hmm. with with the the system that I was at, the school system that I was working with. And then everything just kind of changed to what do we need for home? Do you need monitors? Do you need cameras? How how's the speed of your internet at home? And these were just some issues that were not only facing our side of things to deliver instruction. But now you get your students are all at home. There weren't enough computers to send to every child. So we did have that that major struggle very early in the pandemic. You know, March 17th rolled around and bam, you're at home, you're locked in. How am I going to reach out and how am I going to teach you? So I know things kind of shifted again. Come late fall, we kind of found our groove, our mojo, we got it on and we started to figure things out collectively as a team. And I think our teachers are getting there. Our students are a lot more savvy, but still, even this day and age, you know, when I hear from middle school teachers, you know, I cannot get my students to turn on their cameras. They just will not engage with me. And I'm all, well, we got to think about what's taking place in the student's life at this moment. Let's Mm -hmm. just kind of scale back again. Maybe a child just had a facial breakout. Are you, you think they're going to show their camera? There's no way. Did we teach them to turn on, you know, fun filters? Let's have a fun Friday with a filter. Did we teach them that in Zoom, you can change your background so you don't have to show your home if you're not comfortable doing that. And that's a big issue as well. So we have to make sure that as we're learning these new platforms that we teach our children as well and our students how to use them because not everybody knows that you can mute everybody in a Zoom meeting. I mean, we have to learn things like that. Right. Well, and going back to what you were saying about the connectivity, also, I mean, that's an issue there. If you don't have reliable high-speed internet uh, turning on your camera, uh, it's just going to make your whole system just lag out. And and so uh, that's probably <laughs> another reason why students aren't turning on their cameras. So yeah, there's there's a lot to, to navigate there. There is. And we're asking the kids to do a lot. And we can't get mad at them for some of these things. And I know it's very frustrating for teachers. But what's the why behind it? Mm-hmm. You know, if again, that social emotional side 
ask them how things are, are going. Schools used to be really safe places for a lot of students. And so we need to keep checking in. How are they? And the same thing with our teachers. How are you? Because now their kitchen table is the classroom. And that was their spot for family only. And now we have 20 new families in your kitchen with you all the time. So we have to kind of keep that in mind and give ourselves a little grace. If we take anything away, give ourselves a little grace while we try to get back into the playing field that we were all once in. Yeah. Well, as we start to to wrap up, um, Tina, let me ask you, uh, when it comes to learning celebrations, uh, what are some practical, budget-friendly ideas that teachers can use uh, to help boost student morale and probably their own morale as well? This is one of my favorites. So I love talking about celebrating. And, and one of the things that we, we do is we talk about setting goals with students. And we talk about helping students own that data, which we talked about earlier. And so how do we celebrate whenever we've just even made progress toward a goal. And so some of the things that we've uh, talked about with other educators is having Zoom parties, uh, having a Zoom dance party, and and perhaps the student who made the most progress toward their goal gets to pick the first song. Uh, just different things like that. Perhaps uh, having lunch with the teacher. And so you know that you have a specific amount of time set aside for everybody to take a lunch break. Well, if a student got to sit down and have a Zoom lunch with their teacher, and if they're really kind of not really sure about that, they could even maybe invite a friend. And so then that way, there's kind of a buffer. They're the, the two buddies and their and their teacher having lunch and talking about the things that they're eating and just engaging on a different level. And that to me would be, you know, so much fun to do with my students if I was able to do that. Uh, something else that we've talked about is is just having some fun Kahoot uh, competitions and yeah. uh, or all kinds of engagements that are out there of just doing things that are fun. And sometimes you can do the Kahoot that's ge- geared towards what you've been learning, but it just makes it a little bit more fun. Oh, I, I think it's absolutely imperative that we celebrate all those little things, all the little wins, because those little wins over time become big wins. You know, you, you didn't start out reading this year, but look at you, you're reading a book. Wow, that's just so huge. That's a major celebration. I, I mean, I know when my children were very young and they started reading, I I cried. And then when I started teaching my students and my kindergarten, first grade students started reading, I just must have been a big crybaby, but <laughs> that, that to me is a major win. And so if we don't take time to celebrate that and be silly and have fun, these are children. Even my eight, soon to be 18 year old uh, grandson, who's a senior in high school this year, he still likes to be silly and have fun. And he said that his teacher at times has them turn off their cameras, but she can hear them stand up because she tells them stand up because she knows they're all in their pajamas. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> she tells them to stand up, to shake it out, stand up and stretch, stand up and do a silly dance just to get that blood flowing. And so if that gets the, the students back engaged to continue that learning process, it's something that we can celebrate. We can digitally send out certificates. Maybe mom and dad can print it at home. But like Tina said, 
inviting someone to have lunch with you. That was always one of our favorite things to do with our students. They got to sit and eat with us. You know, breaking bread with someone is so important. It really is. And even getting to dress up, you know, if, if you're dressing up as a different character, I know that uh, my daughter is a, is also an educator and, and they have uh, different days whenever they have themes and she comes to the Zoom dressed in the theme and the students are, are allowed to, if they forgot, run and find something that goes with the theme so that everybody is in character. And little things like that just kind of help students stay motivated to continue to engage. Well, yeah, remember those pajama days and silly sock days? Those oh, were absolutely. always fun. Crazy hat day. <laughs> uh-huh. Now my uh, grandson's teacher does a mismatch mitten Monday. Talk about <laughs> mum, 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 mums. And the kids Alliteration. So much- <laughs> yes. Miss, ma- mismatch mitten Monday. Say that four times really fast. Right. <laughs> but that's that's fun for the kids, and they're going to be present. The teacher's going to be able to see them because they want their friends to show off certain things like that. I don't know how that would work for the senior in high school, but, you know, that's a that's just something fun and easy. But, you know, there's my daughter with a senior and a kindergartner, well, also a sophomore and a pre-kindergartner at, at home. And so we have to remember to say to moms and dads and grandparents and whoever else is in the household, you guys are doing a great job. Thanks for getting them here on time. Simple little things. Goes a long way. It really does. And I'm glad you admitted that, that the rest of the kids are in pajamas because I know I feel bad when, you know, I, <laughs> I'm i quote unquote sending my kid to school and, and pajamas are literally what he slept in. Yeah, so is everybody else. <laughs> yes. It's okay. It's okay. That's why we're all poking fun at ourselves. Look at that uh, commercial, that coffee commercial the other day yep. where they're singing and they say, uh, we can see your knees, you know, because he's, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's got the suit halfway up only. <laughs> right, right. Yes. That is all of us right now. I think so. And that's, I think that's a good thing. And that's Okay. So even maybe have a time where you get to relive some of your favorite Zoom faux pas and and let the students remember. Remember whenever so-and-so, you know, just have times where you, where it's okay to laugh at some of the crazy things that happen because you have to, if you know, you have to laugh at, at all of this. You have to find the humor in it because if you don't, then you will stay stressed out. And it goes back to that social emotional. If you're stressed about about performance on something that is not even part of your education, it's just engaging in this platform, then it's going to, it's just going to create an an even greater gap in the learning. Exactly. So true, Tina. So true. Well, ladies, uh, I think we could probably have two more podcasts about uh, all of the fun and, and, and innovative ideas that uh, we can use to create to keep students engaged. But uh, that does it for this episode of the EdTech Podcast. Angelica and Tina, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Great fun. And... Be sure to tune in for future episodes to keep abreast of new and innovative ideas in education technology. Until next time, I'm Shelby Skirhawk.